0: Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and today we're going to see that we need to never forget the Lord is coming soon. Say amen. Jesus really is coming, and that's what we're going to cover today in James chapter five. But I'm speaking to you from my brand new series, which is called Getting the Basics Right. We need to get the basics right. The subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines for Money, that's what we dealt with yesterday, relationships, prayer, and dealing with wayward believers, friends, or loved ones. This is just jam-packed with practical, practical instruction from James chapter five. And I want you to order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that it comes with a study guide. And the study guide is just filled with all the points and the principles and the Greek words. It's amazing. Everything in this series is also in the study guide, and we do this so you can read it while you see it or while you hear it and really reinforce the teaching down deep inside of you. If you missed yesterday's program, go back to the archives and see that program where we saw that God really pays attention when employees are treated unjustly by their employers. It's amazing what is in James chapter 5. But order the whole series by going online or by giving us a call. And because we're talking about the Lord's coming today, we want to offer to you my book called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. There really are Explicit signs Jesus enumerated, especially in Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 21, that he said we would see just before he comes again. What are those signs? Well, they're all in this book. And if you know the signs, then you'll know we're getting closer and closer and closer to the coming of Jesus. Oh, how I long for that day. The please order yours today, signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. And I'm pretty sure this is a book you're going to want to share with someone else. So you ought to order a couple of them when you call. And remember that if you need prayer, we're here for you. We want to pray for you. And we always pray better when you tell us how to pray. So when you give us a call or send us an email and tell us concretely what are your needs, we will concretely put our faith together with you for God to answer that explicit prayer request, and he will really do it. Jesus said, if two of you would agree as touching anything on earth, I will do it. And we'll get into agreement with you. God will move, and God will answer that prayer need that's on your heart. So give us a call or send us your email. We're waiting right now for the phone to ring or for your email to show up in our inbox. But I'll be back in just a moment.
1: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
0: Hey, my friend, I want you to reach for your Bible because we always use the Bible in this program and we're believing for a revival of the Bible to come to the body of Christ. We need the Word of God and the verse-by-verse teaching of The Bible. But today we're going to go back to James chapter 5 and we're going to dwell today on verses 7 to 11. And we saw in yesterday's program that James was writing to a group of believers who were just exasperated with what they were experiencing in life. Due to persecution, they've been scattered all over the eastern lands of the Roman Empire. And when they were scattered abroad, they lost their homes. They lost their businesses. They lost their income. Many of them can't even find all of their family members because they were uprooted and abruptly scattered abroad. And before this scattering abroad took place, they were very prosperous and many of them were business owners. But now they found jobs and they are employees. Some of them are nearly serving like slaves and they're not being compensated very well for their work And they're upset about it. In fact, they're saying, God, when are you going to avenge us for the way that we're being treated? And James tells us in James chapter 5 that when people are paid unjustly, that unjust compensation goes into the ears of the Lord. And the Lord responds to those that are being treated unjustly. But rather than take matters into their own hands, listen to what James tells them. In James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Verse 9. Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, The judge standeth before the door. Verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and full of tender mercy. But let's go back to verse seven and begin. When James says, be patient therefore, brethren. The word patient that is used here is the Greek word makrothumia. It's a compound of two words. The word makros, which describes something very, very long. It's where we get the word for macaroni, something very long, the Greek word makros. The second part of the word is thumas, which is a word which describes passion. But when you compound the two words together, It depicts, listen to this, the patient restraint of anger and therefore denotes long suffering. It can be translated words like forbearance and patience. Its actions, the actions of patience, are like unto a candle with a very long wick. It can burn a long time. It has the ability to forbear, to wait patient, to be long suffering as it patiently waits for an event or for a result to transpire. He's telling them, my friends, burn long like a candle with a very long wick. Don't be impatient. Therefore, brethren, the word therefore in Greek is the word un. It is a conjunction. It means accordingly or consequently, because my brethren, the coming of the Lord draws near. But notice he calls them brethren. He uses this word brethren over and over and over in the book of James, and every time it is the Greek word adelphos. From the word delphos, which is the Greek word for a woman's womb, but when you put an A on the front, it's two or more born out of the same womb, And James uses this word, Paul uses this word, John uses this word, Peter uses this word to describe all children of God because we are all Adelphos, born out of the womb of God. And this means we are related in Christ. It was a very endearing term used to describe those of one's own family. We have a very large spiritual family, my friends, but it was later used in a militaristic sense to depict brothers in battle, it could be translated as the word comrade or brotherhood. He's speaking to people that are in a fight. He says, brothers, comrades. He jumps into the trench with them. He's speaking directly to them. And he says, be patient, therefore, my brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The word unto means as far as or right up until the coming of Lord the Lord. And while the word coming is the Greek word parousia, and listen to what it means. It is a technical expression for the royal visit of a king or an emperor. The arrival of one who alone, the arrival of one who alone can deal with the situation. And here it is used to denote the coming of Christ. And by using this word parousia, James is saying to his readers and to us, guys, it might seem like things are not good right now, but when Jesus comes, parousia, he's going to come with the power to set everything straight and make everything right. Say amen. And notice he calls it the coming of the Lord. The word Lord, the Greek word kurios, which means the Lord or the supreme master He reminds all of us that in spite of what we're experiencing or the exasperation we may feel with life, Jesus really is Lord. He is the supreme master. He is in charge. And one of these days very soon when he shows up, he's going to bring everything under control and make everything right. And then James continues in verse seven and says, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. The word behold. Is the Greek word edu. A better translation would be, wow, it is amazing. The husbandman. The word husbandman, the Greek word georgas, if your name is George, that's where your name comes from, from the Greek word georgas. It describes a farmer who tills the soil, plants the seed, pulls the weed, and eventually reaps the harvest. But my friends, that's a very long process. And you may want the harvest to come very quickly, but the harvest doesn't come quickly. First, you have to till the soil. Then you have to plant the seed. Then you have to pull the weeds. And eventually you get around to the harvest. But there's a process of waiting for the harvest. And James is writing to people who are tired of the process and they are exasperated. And now he reminds them that even farmers have to wait for the precious fruit of the earth. The word wait in Greek is ek dekomai. Ek means out. The word dekomai means to receive with great anticipation. It describes people all strung out, waiting and longing for something to happen. They're throwing open their arms, rolling out the red carpet, wanting to receive the precious fruit of the earth and have long patience for it. And guess what? Long patience is a repeat of this Greek word, thumia, So we're going to cover it again. A compound of two words, makros, something long, something that's really strung out. The word thumos, the Greek word for passion. Compound the two words together. And again, it is the patient restraint of anger and therefore denotes long suffering. Rather than being exasperated, you need to have a wick that burns a long, long time It can be translated as forbearance and patience, and as I said, its actions are like unto a candle with a very long wick. It can burn a long time, which means it's not short-wicked. It can burn and burn and burn and burn. It is ready to forbear, to wait patient, to be long-suffering as it waits for an event or for a result to transpire. The Bible here tells us that farmers have to wait. They don't get the harvest right up front. They have to be very patient, and they have to have a very long wick as they wait for the season of harvest to arrive. And then he adds in verse 7, until he received the early and latter rains. The word until, the Greek word hios, it means till, as far as, up to, until he received the early and the latter rains. There were two seasons of rain which came to Israel. There was the early rain. There was the latter rain. The early rain was always exciting. It got the crops growing, but the crops could not reach maturity until they received the latter rain. So you can't reap after the first rain. You have to wait for the latter rain. You have to go through the whole season, which may feel like it's very prolonged, but you have to wait for the first rain and the latter rain before you can be in the season of reaping. And then he says, until he receive." And by the way, the word receive is very important because it is a form of the Greek word lambano, which describes a giving and a taking. Listen to what it means. Lambano means to lay hold of something in order to make it your very own, almost like a person who reaches out to grab, to capture and to take possession of something. And in some cases, it means to violently lay hold of something in order to seize it and take it as your very own. And at other times, It depicts one who graciously receives something that is freely and easily given. There's a give and a take. God gives us what we desire, but we have to take it. But the farmer has to wait for the right season for his taking. And then he says in verse 8, be also patient. There's that word patient. That's the one thing none of us want to be. But you have to be patient for the manifestation that you're waiting for. You may be exasperated right now, but be patient. He says, be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And guess what? The word patient. It is the third time in these few verses that he uses the word macrothumio. The same word again from macros which describes something long or something all strung out, the word patient, the word thumos, which describes passion. Compound the two words together. And again, it describes forbearance, patience, actions like unto a candle with a very long wick that burns a long, long time as it waits for something to happen. He says, be ye also patient. Have a long wick. Mm. And then he says, establish your hearts. Well, this is very good. If you're impatient, you're probably looking at your circumstances. You're impatient with your circumstances. You're exasperated with what's happening and what you think should happen is not happening. But rather than focus on all the things around you that you don't like, which probably is not going to change anything, he says, hey guys, get your eyes off of all of these events and after all of your circumstances and put your eyes on your hearts. Do something with your heart. Establish it. The word establish, the Greek word sterizo, and listen to what it means. It describes something fixed and solid. Make sure your heart is fixed and solid, like a column that holds up a roof of a house. This word establish, the Greek word sterizo, means to brace, to shore up, to bolster, to support, or to uphold. It fundamentally describes the act of adding strength and support to something already existing. He's saying, hey, get your eyes off of your circumstances and put your eyes on your heart. Why? Because if we bolster our heart, if we reinforce our heart, which really is what the word sterizo means here, translated, established, we can deal with anything. We can deal with anything if we've given the strength and the support to our hearts that is needed. So he tells them to focus on their hearts. Then he adds, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And that word coming, again, the Greek word parousia, the technical expression for the royal visit of a king or an emperor, the king is coming. The emperor is coming, but it also depicts the arrival of one who alone can deal with the situation or put things in order. And here it is used to denote the coming of the Lord. The king is coming, the emperor is coming. He's gonna put everything in order, bring everything under his control. But until that time, you deal with your heart. And notice he says, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The word draweth nigh in Greek means it's so very close. It's approaching even now. Then in James chapter 5, verse 9, he adds, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Why did he tell them to judge not? Well, we've seen in previous programs that there was a lot of bickering going on among these believers. They were upset that some were getting more than others. Some were more blessed than others. Why are you being paid more than I'm being paid? Why is your prayer being answered quicker than my prayer is being answered? And there was a lot of grudging going on back and forth between these believers. And here he says, grudge not. In Greek, it is the word may, which is a negative, and the word stenazo, which means to moan, to groan, to sigh. It is an expression of deeply felt emotion to vent or to aspirator to blow your top. But in this verse, he says, do not negatively moan, groan, or sigh. Do not negatively blow your top against one another. And the word against is a form of the Greek word kata, which means literally against depicting them as being upset with one another. They are not rejoicing in other people's victories and other people's blessings, but they really hold a grudge. Because other people are getting more than I got, their prayers being answered before mine. And he says, My brethren, don't do this. But he goes on to say, Grudge not against another. Another. The word another, the Greek word alilon, it describes something that is reciprocal. And remember that what you dole out will come back to you. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. If you give a grudge, A grudge is going to be returned to you. Don't get involved in this reciprocal bad behavior. My brethren. He calls them brethren again. The Greek word adelphos, which in a militaristic sense described comrades in a fight. He's jumped down into the trenches and like a commander and a brother, he's speaking to them and saying, hey, guys, this is not what you need to do. He says, lest you be condemned. Condemned, the Greek word krino, condemned. Again, this is reciprocal activity. If you judge, you're going to be judged. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Stay out of the judgment business. And then he adds in verse 9, Behold, behold, the judge standeth before the door. You know why he said that? Because they were tempted to think, But how long is this going to go on? How long is this injustice?" going? Injustice going to be carried out in my life. And now James says, hey, hold on, hold on, behold. The word behold, the Greek word edu, it's amazing. Look at this, the judge. And the word judge is the Greek word krites, a Greek word which pictures Christ as a judge, a magistrate, or a ruler, one who passes judgment. The judge who's gonna set everything in order standeth before the door the word before the Greek word pro, right in front of the door. The word door is the Greek word "thuron," which usually describes something that is slammed and locked shut. But Jesus is about to open the door. He's about to arrive. And then he says in verse 10, take my brethren, the prophets who've spoken to you in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. But when you read this in the Greek text, it says, take for an example, and it is the Greek word degma the word degma And the word degma could be used to describe a child who's learning to write. And when he's learning to write, He looks at the alphabet, which his teacher has given him, and with his hand, he begins to copy the letters given to him by his teacher, very carefully copying the A, every line, every little curl, then the B, then the C. And now James says, hey, study those who have preceded you and copy them. And particularly, he refers to the prophets who've spoken to you in the name of the Lord who suffered affliction and patience. Suffered affliction is a compound of the word kakos and pathos. In Greek, it is the word kakopatheo, but kakos describes something foul, something vile. The word pathos especially describes mental or emotional suffering. But when you compound the two words together, it means to put up with a lot of mental hardness, mental hardness, or be mentally tough. He said, look at the prophets in the past all they put up with. But they were mentally tough. They were mentally strong. And they also had a lot of patience. And then he says in verse 11, behold, behold, we count them happy, which endure. Count them happy in Greek means ridiculously happy. They're blessed with all kinds of benefits. We count them happy, ridiculously happy that endure. And the word endure is the Greek word hupomene, and listen to this. It means to abide or to stay in one spot, to keep your position, to resolve, to maintain territory that you've gained. And in a military sense, it pictures soldiers ordered to maintain their positions even in the face of opposition to defiantly stick it out regardless of pressures mounted against it staying power it is hanging there power it is the attitude that holds out holds on outlasts, perseveres hangs in there never giving up and refusing to surrender to obstacles and turning down every opportunity to quit wow that is powerful And because they refused to surrender even in the face of exasperating circumstances, they ended up ridiculously blessed. That is what James says, and he tells us to take them for an example, and that we are to study the way they did it and do it like they did it. We are to be mentally tough, and my friends, never forget that Jesus really is coming soon. And when he shows up, he's going to bring everything under his command. He's going to put everything in order. Jesus really is coming soon. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you.
1: Do you struggle to know the answers to basic questions that come up in life? In this five-part series, Getting the Basics Right, Rick Renner will share what you should do if you are financially not being compensated correctly, to keep yourself encouraged when you feel surrounded by discouragement, to live free from bitterness and stay out of the retribution and vengeance business. If you need to be anointed with oil because you're sick, to intercede for the deliverance of a friend or family member who has wandered spiritually this series will equip you to get the basics right on vital everyday issues and problems available in digital or physical formats starting at just ten dollars this series contains essential information every believer should know and today we're also offering you the book signs you'll see just before jesus comes scaring people with bible prophecy should not be our goal But God, in his great love, has chosen to inform us explicitly about the last days so that we can be prepared. In this book, Rick Renner gives the signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. You'll learn where we are on God's timetable what specific signs we'll see to let us know we're coming to the end of the age, the final and ultimate sign that Jesus is about to come again, and so much more. This important and informative book can be yours for only $15. Don't delay ordering, the five-part series, Getting the Basics Right, and the book, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
0: Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and right now I'm standing in what's going to be the future studio for our television ministry in Moscow, Russia. Who would have ever believed that we would be broadcasting the Word of God from Moscow to the ends of the earth, That that's exactly what's happening. Romans 10:18 says their words will go into all the world, their voice to the ends of the earth, and it's really happening. And my friends, we're constructing the studio. Look at it. The walls are starting to go up. And within just two weeks, this entire building will be standing with the roof, the doors, the windows, everything. And then the work begins on the interior. And I get so excited thinking that right where I'm standing is where I'm going to be seated looking into the camera to teach the word of God to people all over the world are crying out and who are saying god please send us someone with teaching that we can trust i believe that's our assignment proverbs 10:21 says the lips of the righteous feed many and i know our job is to feed many the word of god and we do it because of the anointing and because of your help as partners thank you for being part of the giving team that's making this come to pass and if you're not already a part of the giving team Please, would you pray about joining us to help us make this dream become a reality? We're off to a good start, but we need to finish, and we need as many people as possible to participate. So I welcome you to our giving team, and I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. Today, we've covered so much material, and that's why I want you to order the entire series, which is called Getting the Basics Right. We need to get the basics right. It's five parts, and it comes in multiple formats. The subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines for Money, Relationships, Prayer, and for dealing with wayward believers, friends, or loved ones. This will just encourage you and will help you to get the basics right in your life. And it comes with a wonderful study guide. And please remember that right now we're also offering you my book, which is called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. In Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 21, Jesus enumerated signs that would alert us to the fact that His coming was drawing near order yours today. I know you'll devour it and order a couple because you're going to want to share this with somebody else. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are so aware of our circumstance. Help us, Lord, not to get exasperated when we don't like the way things are going and to remember that you really are coming and you have the power to set everything in order and you will. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember. Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.